This episode of Animalators is brought to you by the people who make this podcast happen, Gradient. Gradient is the brand reaching open-minded, culturally inclusive, justice-oriented millennials through in-depth reporting, long-form features, and thoughtful commentary on what's happening in the world around us. If you like this podcast, be sure to check out some of the other great shows that are part of the Gradient Podcast Network. One in particular that I've been really into lately is It's a Bird, It's a Plane, It's a Podcast, a show that explores the infinite overlaps between superheroes, the people who create them, and their connections to the world around us. Listen to this clip. Speaking of Guardians of the Galaxy 2, uh, that filming also continues apace. There's a lot of rumors flying around about it, but we don't know a whole lot actually for sure yet. They've kept this really under wraps. Uh, both in terms of, there's a lot of rumors about big casting, like cameos from people, but nothing, nothing is really known all that well. But works. I mean, it's going to be great. It's going to be a great yeah. movie. I'm so excited I mean, about Guardians of the Galaxy too. Kurt Russell's in it, so Kurt Russell is definitely. <laughs> Do you think he's going to play uh, Star Lord's dad? I, think, I don't care. <laughs> I think that is. Like, he, he can play the ship. <laughs> <laughs> Today's Animalators episode also features the world of Marvel, so if you're into it today, please go and check out It's a Bird, It's a Plane, It's a Podcast. It's a great show. You'll love it. Check it all out at gradient.is slash podcasts. Follow along on Facebook and Twitter at gradient.is, that's gradient, D-O-T-I-S, or just search for Gradient and subscribe to their podcasts in iTunes or whatever you guys use for podcasts. Gradient, news, culture, and the human experience. Hey everyone, Zach Dixon here, and welcome to our 19th episode of Animalators, curious conversations from the world of animation. Today on the show, we have Aaron Sarofsky. Aaron started in the industry working for companies Digital Kitchen and Superfad, and then went on to found her own studio, Sarofsky, in 2009. Aaron now serves as the president and creative director at her studio, where she and her team focus on design-driven production for commercials, television, and film. Their portfolio includes advertising work for companies like Verizon, Capital One, and Budweiser, as well as an extremely impressive list of title sequences for film and television, including Community, The Killing, and Brooklyn Nine-Nine, as well as titles for Marvel's Winter Soldier, Ant-Man, Guardians of the Galaxy, and recently Civil War. Today we'll talk about what it's like working with Marvel and get a behind-the-scenes look at pitching on the Community title sequence. I'm beyond excited. We'll get into all of this and more this week's episode of Animalators. Well, Aaron, thank you so much for coming on the show. I am absolutely thrilled to have you. Thank you for having me. <laughs> well, usually at the beginning of the show, we just like to get a, a kind of overview of, of kind of where you came from. Obviously, right now you are at your very own um, studio, Sarovsky. Uh, which you started in 2009. Uh, but before that, uh, I understand you you went to RIT and then uh, spent some time at Digital Kitchen and then and then Superfad. Um, yeah. Could we maybe just start there with your with your time at at Digital Kitchen and Superfad and uh, maybe just talk a little bit about, especially even just looking back now. Um, some of the things that have helped you in the process of building your own company and, and even um, just creating the incredible work that your team now produces. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, DK, I always say that's where I grew up, you know, where mm. not only like a, a little bit as a person starting out in my young twenties, leaving right as I turned 30. Um, but I, I really learned 
how to become a designer. Um, and a lot of that was like absorbing from talent around me, like Danny Yant and Mason Nickel. Oh, wow. And, you know, Andre Stringer was a part of the team for a small portion of time. Wow. And you, we were just like a little bit of a Petri dish, like, and everybody wanted to win. <laughs> you know what I mean? Everybody just, it was, even though it was like a company, yeah. And we're all supposed to be working together. Like everybody wanted to win board. So it was very, very competitive. Oh, um, wow. Yeah. And then once a board was chosen and awarded, a team was created to execute it. Um, and that's when it became very collaborative. Um, and so it was an interesting company culture. It was definitely a boys club. There weren't many women. Lindsay Daniels and I were one of the few women's at, women at that time. So it was just kind of one of these things. You went in and you worked and you worked really, really hard. And it was definitely one of these things of mileage. Like, oh, yeah. then that's what I mean. Like I grew up there. It was mileage, not age. Like when I left DK and went to Superfad, I was a fully formed creative director. And it's not because I'd spent like 20 years in the business, but it's yeah. because I spent 20 years in the business in six years, you know, and it was about just taking every single opportunity. If a board came in, like I wanted to work on it. I wanted to do it. I I didn't care if it was my weekend or if I had to work late, I was just eager and, and wanted to do it. And I feel like that's the mentality that it really took to both achieve there and probably achieve so quickly getting my, having my own company, you know, just that like, you know, ferocity <laughs> and just like desire to do work. Um, yeah. and then when I went to super fad, I, the biggest difference was for me, like shockingly was the company culture was totally different. You know, DK, all the offices at that time were very intermingled and everybody knew everybody and you'd have designers from each office pitching together and you'd have these kind of checking calls where people collaborated on the phone or at least told their ideas and, and then at Superfed, like the New York office where I worked was very much just an island. We didn't collaborate with any of the other offices. And, you know, we never really talked about budgets or numbers. It was just like, go make this. And so hmm. it was an interesting thing because at DK, we were always so aware of how much money we had and, and whether we were doing well or not doing well on a job. And at Superfed, oh, yeah. And, yeah. At, and at Superfed, I had no idea. And I was a creative director. So I was, I would constantly ask and be like, what am I doing? Okay. On this. And it, it was always like, hmm. don't worry about it. I'll tell you if there's a problem. So they were just much more quiet about, about numbers and the jobs and kind of the business side of it. You know, um, do you think they were trying to shield you guys from that side of things and just let you work on your own creative or, well, I mean, even now having my own company, I think it's an interesting thing when you share information about jobs like that. Like if you have a job yeah. and it's like a $300,000 job, you know, a designer that's making $40,000 is going to be like, what the fuck? Like, <laughs> you know, how are you making $300,000 on the job? But they're probably not realizing yeah. like, well, one, it, I pay a $10,000 a month in rent <laughs> and, yeah. and I pay for 40% of your healthcare and mm. I pay for insurance, which is extraordinary for production insurance. And by the way, the shoot itself cost $150,000 in cash yeah. before we even got paid for it. So <laughs> not, so this $300,000 job might have me into a line of credit for $100,000. But yeah. the person making $40,000 a year might not understand that. And why would they? 
you know? Yeah. So I completely understand they're, they're wanting to keep things on the down low a little bit, especially because totally. I know we were really raking in the money. Like there was looking back on it now, I can't even imagine how much money they made. It had to be so really? much. We were, you know, oh, it was wow. pre 2008 and they were just yep. exploding and we were doing like a ton of work for Amex, just doing supers out of Ogilvy and these kind of huge campaigns for PlayStation. And it was like, oh my God, it was like the heyday of like <laughs> motion graphics, you know, yeah. style stuff. So they, I'm sure they were raking it in, but again, they had rent in New York. So I, you know, you never, like I say that, but who really knows how much they, they ultimately <laughs> yeah. made, you know, but I could see the, the want and desire to hide it. And I think here you want people to, to know if it's a healthy budget or not a healthy budget, you know? And, yeah. and so we talk about budgets more like that, or, you know, there's a reason you have seven days to do this is because like they, if you're on it for more than seven days, it's going to cost, start costing the company money. So that's how we like to talk about it now, just much more practically, but not necessarily using specific numbers. Yeah. And, and so I, I understand that, uh, like you said, like you feel like you kind of like grew up and you learned to be a creative director at, at Digital Kitchen. Is there any uh, creative processes that, that you maybe have brought from your experiences at Digital Kitchen and Superfad uh, into your own company? Yeah. I mean, everybody kind of has their own way about just about brainstorming or, you know, when they hear about a project, whether it's advertising or entertainment you know, you know, it's actually interesting. The difference between advertising is they're coming to you with a concept. It's like, it's more like, how are you going to execute this? And how beautiful can you make it? Right. Um, And how cheap can you do it? And how fast? (laughs) Um, (laughs) But on the, on the entertainment side, they show you a pilot or show you a movie or give you a script. And you're really starting on a conceptual level. And I especially, especially love that because I mean, to concept and execute your own idea is it's a very unique thing and rare. And I think, you know, most designers probably prefer main titles for that reason without really understanding that's the reason behind it. Um, yeah. So it also is, I guess, more artful. It doesn't feel much more. It doesn't feel as commercial as commercials, even though it is commercial, you're still like, doing it to make money like television shows and movies want to make money um but like my process is very i don't know it's brainstorming a lot of writing a lot of kind of following threads of ideas um through fruition so if you i don't know like by the end like my the pages in my journal they really do kind of look like mind maps um and, and then I start Googling and, and Pinteresting and searching around those, those things. Um, and then I start, you know, doing swatches for color palettes and it, it really does kind of, everything kind of goes out in a circle and then kind of starts coming back together to like a unified look with a single idea attached to it. And when I, you know, when I d- actually do boards, I rarely do a board for a pitch. I'll usually do like a bunch of boards because I separate ideas. I don't tend to combine ideas into one direction. I tend to separate them out. So if I feel like I have four great ideas, like I'll work on four great ideas, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, that, that's super interesting. I kind of want to follow that rabbit trail a bit. Cause I, I saw that there's some, there's a great write up on your guys work for winter soldier, yeah. um, on art of title.com. Yeah. Uh, and they, 
you gave a great interview there. Any, anyone listening should go go check that out. But yeah, I, I'm curious. They did they ask for like multiple directions? Because I saw in the document you wrote up, you went you went down a few different avenues. Yeah. And did you guys even present? Did you did you go in and present multiple ideas with different looks and that kind of thing? Is that something they asked for? Well, I mean, like you could go in with one approach, I guess, if you felt very strongly with it. I mm, yeah. you know, but we did not. We presented probably about six, seven ideas, different looks, different ideas, completely. Um, and they wow. ultimately chose the one. Now, we would have loved to have shared some of those different directions with Art of the Title, yeah. but Marvel doesn't allow anybody to show process work. Um, oh, wow. Especially That's for so the main titles. They don't want anything out there that isn't like a final render from the film, you know? Oh. So, huh. you know, it's just an interesting thing. Like, hey. yeah. <laughs> But like the brief, I definitely, guess they're Marvel. They can do what they want. They do yeah. what they want. Well, they they yeah. really curate their content, and everything just yeah. has to be approved beforehand. Like we've seen people put up boards from you know other pitches they did with other companies, and you know within a second somebody's emailing me, "Oh my god, did you see that board that so and so did for <laughs> Ant Man?" And then like you go there and it's down already. You know, it's like yeah, it's crazy. I remember that. It's crazy. Yeah, they are super on top of that. Yeah, they are. Although I do think it's back up on Ash's website. Well, I wasn't Ash, even Ash talking still... about Ash. Like, uh, oh, you, know. you serious? No, I was no talking way. about uh, somebody else. <laughs> That's so funny. I see, I didn't even know Ash worked on Ant Man, so it wasn't with hey. us. But yeah. Yeah. No, uh, your titles for Ant Man were beautiful. I, yeah. I, yes, they were awesome. Um, but sorry. Okay, let's let's go back a little bit to your your ideation process because mm-hmm. I I am curious about that too. Um, I don't know. Can you paint me maybe a, a picture of, of what that looks like? Are you, you know, do you go to a coffee shop? Do you, um, I, I don't know. Are you listening to music? Like, do you bring other people in when you're trying to come up with an idea? It's like, what happens when you kind of receive a, a, a project brief um, from from a client or, or from a, a Marvel or something like that? So it's a little different now that I have my own company because yeah. um, it just is. Uh, I definitely want to make sure everybody here has opportunity to win stuff and to develop their careers, whether it's still within the company or if they want to move on. It's important that they have access to this work just as much as I do. So what I start with is a very comprehensive brief. And I feel like in general, if if I understand the show or have a good feeling for the movie or something, um, it, it comes across in the brief and that's actually still up on art of the title is my brief. And it really yeah. gets, paints a good picture of how we kick off a job. And then from there, some artists are really good at coming up with their own ideas and they could either kind of build off one of the ideas outlined in the brief, or they could just come up with something entirely mm. new on their own. But some artists just want to execute and that's a okay, but I want them to execute something that has a conceptual, you know, foundation. So or just something underneath it that's more than a cool look. Like, I feel like yeah. that's really what separates our studio apart is you can look at every piece and whether you like how it looks or like how it animates or whatever, there's still an idea there, like an undeniable idea there. So mm. I feel like that's why, you know, directors and showrunners really respond to us because we're working from a more conceptual place. And then so cool. then it's up to each artist individually. Like, I like to be left alone to do some concepting. And so I tend to do it at night at home on my laptop, just on the couch (laughs) because, because at work it's very, um, it's just busy, you know, conference hall, this, that running around. Um, 
so at home on the couch, I tend to put on a movie, like a Harry Potter movie, and I just let it. <laughs> and then before you know it, it's like over and you're starting it again and you like haven't watched it, you know? That's amazing. Yeah. So I I probably have seen Harry Potter like a million times because it's literally just looping on in the background. So, yeah. Yeah. That's, I'm surprised that no Harry Potter references have like somehow like seeped into your all of your work just uh, like without you even noticing. Maybe someday you'll look back and be like, oh, yeah, there it is. There it is. I mean, maybe. That's so funny. I would love to yeah. work on something like that. Uh, but I don't know. And, I, you know. Isn't she, isn't she writing a new book? Maybe. Yeah. Maybe, uh, maybe in my future. Yeah. I would love to see that. <laughs> I That'd would be too. Amazing. I, I've read and you, you even kind of made mention to it that that you your journal kind of ends up looking like a mind map yeah um could you tell me a little bit maybe more about that does it kind of just start with a, a central core idea and then branch out into kind of side tangents yeah i mean that's exactly what it is um so i just start with themes from a movie you know like the winter soldier it was a spy thriller really um yeah but it also was a superhero movie, but it also dealt with complicated relationships. <laughs> and, and so I'll just kind of start by writing these kind of basic themes down and then I'll start attaching visual ideas to those themes um, or, you know, things like that. And then it starts becoming like, oh, you have this kind of look with this kind of an idea, see where that, that takes you. But it definitely starts, you know, with, you know, if you're saying like complicated relationships, you could talk a lot about, you know, Bucky and Cap, or you could talk about Cap and the girl, Agent 13, and, you know, Cap and Peggy, like, and, and, and really each one of those things has a whole list of words and just phrases that go along with that. Um, and, and imagery that from the movie that relates to that. So it's about getting all of that on paper. So you know what you're working with, really, like all your elements yeah. and emotions and, all of that stuff. And then it's about somehow figuring out a narrative for each idea. And some of it, you might be like, oh, that's cool, but that's cool for a scene in a, in a title sequence. That's not cool yeah. for a whole title sequence, you know? So that's stuff that you, you think about too. So then is, is your next step in the process kind of attaching uh, visuals, maybe like a mood board? I heard totally. you mention going on Pinterest. Yeah, mood board for sure. Pinterest for sure. I love fine art and photography and being inspired by more than like other designers. So I tend to be, you know, and for this actually kind of new thing that I'm working on, I was looking at a lot of textiles, like couture, like beadwork and weaving and oh, like cool. all the patterns that that was making. And I was like, oh, that's really interesting. How can that inspire what I'm, what I'm doing? So that's kind of you know, it ultimately will make itself more graphic or become, I'm obviously not going to weave a couture gown to, to make something, but like, <laughs> yeah. but like just how that works and, and how it's like on a mesh or a netting, like that's all stuff that can inform, you know, my process and, and ultimately what it winds up looking like. So that's fun. Well, I'd, I'd like to jump back. I, I we'll, we'll definitely get back to the title sequences, but I would like to jump back to first when you were starting um, Sarovsky. Mm -hmm. uh, 
Could you tell me maybe a little bit about some of the initial struggles when you opened up shop and, and maybe even some, some of the biggest challenges that you faced kind of along the way uh, and some ways that you worked to overcome them? Yeah. I mean, well, what first brought me back to Chicago from um, New York, from Superfat, was the idea of starting a company with actually two partners. And, oh, wow. Yeah. And that company started in early 2008 and fell apart by, well, by... Thanksgiving. <laughs> and, you know, 2008 was a very hard time to grow a company. But I think yeah. like the lesson there, I think that everybody could take away is that partnerships are hard and it, they do require an agreement before you go into it. And I did have an agreement with them, but I don't think we were all honest with each other about what our expectations were and our real true needs were. I mean, me, I was single. I had a little condo that I was living in. It didn't cost me a lot to live, but for one yeah. of my partners, it cost him a shit ton to live and he needed <laughs> a lot of money. And, yeah. you know, I didn't want to be choosing jobs or chasing work in desperation mode. I wanted to be, you know, producing work that was going to build a reel that was going to be about building a future, not necessarily worrying about right now. Yeah. Um, and so that ultimately was the was the issue is that we weren't on the same page, even though we thought we were, you know. Um, and so that fell apart by the end of, you know, 2008 and in 2009, I had a, a friend from an agency in Detroit be like, hey, do you want to do this job? What's so funny is we took so long to name that company. And <laughs> we came up with the stupidest name ever, Rebus Farms. Um, so, and, That's so funny. Yeah. And so my, when my friend called and was like, we have this job. We'd love for you guys to do it. It was like a job for GM and it had a decent budget, like a really decent yeah. budget. And I was like, no, wow. I don't have a company anymore. It's a mess. Like you don't want anything to do with it. And um, he's like, "Well, it's really you we want. So just get yourself a new producer and get your, you know, a couple of your freelancers <laughs> together, and we'll give you the job." And I was like, "But I don't yeah, have a wow. yeah." I'm like, "But I don't have a company." He's like, "So go make a company. Like how hard could that be?" So <laughs> I called my accountant and lawyer, and they were like, "Oh, well, that's cool." Like, and I'm like. And they called me back and they're like, what are you going to name it? And I was like, I don't know. And they were like, well, just call it Swarovski. <laughs> so that's how my company became my name, like in a very go. spur of the moment. And that's like me running down to the courthouse, basically in a yoga <laughs> in yoga pants, trying to set up a company with like expedited paperwork and all this stuff. So, wow. yeah, I mean, everything happens. I, I truly believe everything happens the way it's supposed to be, but like be very careful with partnerships. I mean, everybody has to be on the same page and you know, I, I really do know that I wouldn't have what I have now if I had stayed in that partnership because the money we would have made would have gone to the partners. It wouldn't have gone yeah. to buying a building and investing in infrastructure and investing in talent and investing in the right rep for, you know, reps and business development people yeah. that ultimately make this place. And you really have to put in to get out. So mm. yeah, that's what I've learned. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's incredible. Um, I'm just going to take a second to di digest that. I know you're probably in a partnership. <laughs> no, I am. No, and it, it's and it's wonderful. It, it, we we have a very similar vision, and and yeah. it would not work without that. I totally. Right. And you know, um, people change. Work at all. Yeah, and people change yeah. over time. Yeah. So you have to constantly be honest with yourself and be honest with your partner, so that mm -hmm. it can move forward. I mean, if you look at Digital kit yeah. Kitchen, like 
the partnership was never that great. You know, like I don't even know that those partners really ever truly liked each other. You know, really? I mean, they oh, wow. supported each other's decisions, yeah. but I, you know, I, they were very different people. And I think at, they got in bed together very quickly. Um, is my understanding of the story. And, you know, now they've ultimately sold. So they're probably incredibly happy, but yeah, you know, the, the super fad thing fell apart entirely because of the partnership Wow. agreement yeah. you know like they couldn't resolve their agreement and it fell apart because of that like they had to shut the company and dissolve it because the partners couldn't agree on something i don't know what it was but it's like hmm. you know like if you think about all that work that they created i mean they built this yeah. amazing, amazing portfolio i mean forget about the studio space and you know what's in the accounts they had like i would have died if i had a company with all of that amazing work to start with, <laughs> yeah. you know, yeah, that's incredible oh, yeah. to have a portfolio like that. And it's just like, and it just goes away, you know, it yeah. just goes away. Did you start Sarovsky with like, maybe like a list of goals? Cause I know that that company culture and, and even like the processes that you guys implement is something that's very important to you. Uh, is that something that you started out with that vision or is that something that's kind of come about over time? Well, for me, company culture is entirely about me having a group of people around me that I like mm. <laughs> and that like each yeah. other and that in general support each other. And it could get a little family-like and a little inappropriate at times. But <laughs> I, I, I believe that, like, you know, if you even if you have, like, the most talented people, it doesn't make them great collaborators. And it doesn't necessarily make them great communicators. Um, it doesn't make them respect the client. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and so the, the talent I like to bring in is, like, you know, younger talent that I can really grow and and teach how, how to be. And, and, you know, they don't have to be like their number one, like the number one real coming out of SCAD. Like that, it's not the guy I want. He, he's expecting <laughs> to make $70,000 out of the gate and has a chip on yep. his shoulder already. Like I want the guy that's, that's just good and has a lot of talent, but hasn't been fully realized. And yeah. I want to help them realize that. And so that's been a main, main goal of mine with building the company is kind of, I don't know if it's like the bad news bears of, of design or something like that, but, um, just getting people together and giving them opportunity and seeing if they can and rise to it. And in my experience, they really have, you know, with the right yeah, encouragement awesome. and support. And so, you know, we have a few of our senior people are kind of grown from within and some are, you know, from external that we've brought in, um, but it's very Montessori, like on every job, you'll have a, a senior person and a junior person so that somebody could always be a teacher and someone can always be a learner. And then as oh, that's so cool. soon as we can, we move uh, the junior person into kind of like a mid-level role so that they're both teaching and learning on occasion. And then it's, it's, it's a very interesting thing doing that. But we never have an imbalanced job where you have all junior people on it or all senior people on it. There's always yeah. a, a mix of the two. Do you guys do like internships at all? Like if someone's someone out there listening is looking to get get a job at, at Sarovsky, like what what does that look like? Yeah. Okay. So we don't technically do internships because we pay our people. <laughs> so <laughs> that's um, good. That's yeah. Good. So that's nice. So we <laughs> consider it just a ju a short term junior designer booking, oh, actually a long term cool. junior designer booking. So it's like a three month or a two month booking depending on their 
you know, their time and we work out a rate with them so that they can live in Chicago and, and not starve, you know, and not live in an unsafe place. Um, and then that's what we do. So it's, but if we are taking like an intern type person, we always want to make sure that they have enough skill to be a part of the team actually producing work. Cause like interns here don't make coffee. They don't, people do what they want for themselves. And we have, you know, PAs if it gets that busy, but like, Anybody that's hired that we're giving a workstation to, that's like a huge commitment on our part. Like if you're sitting on a computer with legal software and legal everything, <laughs> that's that's a lot of money that we're investing into them. So yeah. uh, we want to make sure that they have enough skill that they can contribute to the team and really learn. And that's how you learn is by doing it. So, yeah. When you started Sarovsky, and I think this is a, a place that even even freelancers feel uh, when they maybe leave a, a full time gig, is you know you're working at DK Superfad, like you're spending almost all of your time working on creative work, but then you leave and you start your own company, and mm-hmm. and all of a sudden you have to you have to deal with hiring, you have to deal with payroll, you have to deal with you know legal things, you have to go out and find places like find an actual like office to rent, like there's all mm-hmm. these other things that now have to consume your time. Um, and I, and I think that's true of freelancing as well. Um, I don't know, was that, was that a challenge kind of starting Sarovsky and, and is that a, even a challenge today? Cause I mean, you, you've got, you've got a wonderful team and you're leading this team. Um, and I think that that's a skill in itself and, and, and is a huge, um, I'm what I would imagine is a huge part of your time as well. Yeah. Well, like, I feel like I'm a little bit lucky cause I've always been a little bit, even though I'm like creatively minded, I always did care about budget and schedule. And, and yeah. I don't, I don't really hear many creatives <laughs> caring about budget and schedule <laughs> in general. So I feel like I was a little bit of an anomaly, but, and so as a result, I really kind of wanted to understand how to run a business. And really the way I learned is by is paying for advice. You know, it's like when I needed to start doing the books, I hired an accountant. I brought my accountant in yeah. and was like, is what do I do? And he explained it to me and it was just very simple right now. It's just yeah. a lot more money, but it's just yeah. as simple and it's a lot more paperwork, yeah. but it's still just as simple conceptually. And it's been like that with everything. When it was time to start addressing healthcare, we, we addressed that. And you know, at a certain point I was like, wow, I really need help with this. I need to bring somebody in, you know, I did. Yeah. So yeah, it was kind of one of these things. As soon as I felt like something was taking up too much of a time, I would, it obviously made sense to bring somebody in to help me. Um, but most of my time really is not on the creative anymore. I mean, like actually hands-on doing anything. In fact, if I start hands-on doing something, everybody wants to take it away from me as quickly as possible. (laughs) Because my schedule is so, it can, anything could happen and I might need to be in New York tomorrow. And if I'm like a very important part of the team producing something that can create a big problem. Um, so a big thing for me has been really evolving my role in the company as the company evolves. And at first I was definitely a designer creative director. I was on the box. I was doing things. I was helping them make things. I was leading the design. I was even animating at times. And then you know, we got a little bit bigger and there started to be multiple projects going on and I would just be creative directing those jobs and maybe doing some initial boards. And now I'm definitely an executive creative director. I have other creative directors in the company and they manage the day to day on jobs and I'm in at milestones and on big client calls. And we just make sure the jobs are kicked off properly and that they're staffed properly. And I help 
kind of organize that. And when they're going through something, they run things by me, but I really give them, I mean, the thing about having done their job is I know how I like to be treated. And so even though it's my company, I still have faith that I hired the right people and give them as much space as they need to do their jobs and, and just Mm -hmm. trust that they know they can come to me when it's time to come to me, you know? So um, but occasionally I still do boards. I love that. I love doing <laughs> storyboards. It seems a little unfair to the interns working on them. <laughs> but um, but they they're do, up against they're yeah, up against Aaron. They're up yeah. against me. But it's also there are times and you know on this last Captain America job I didn't do boards and I didn't do boards because it was really time to give my staff and my designers. Like just for me to focus on giving feedback to each of them so that all of their directions could become what I would say is something that I would do. You know what I mean? So really conceptually strong. And as a result, there were a lot of concepts as they were kind of going between that we evolved a little extra further than we normally would. Um, And I, I think like, as I step back and just kind of contribute on that level, it makes everything stronger as a whole. Um, yeah. You know, instead of leaving people to their and and now we're even experimenting with like instead of like one designer doing a single direction, having designers collaborate on a direction and instead of going wider with our pitches in terms of vast amount of things, um just focusing on going deeper with the work. So get it further mm-hmm. along. Yeah. So that's just you know, that's just learning and process and evolving it as we go, especially as pitches get more competitive and, you know, everybody, you know, sees other people's pitches online sometimes. So you're really like all of the trade secrets are out there. So you, you need to keep evolving and doing what's right for you and the people around you to, to do what's right for the client. Yeah. So I, I know that you, you do a good mix of, you know, advertising and title sequence work. Um, and, and I think one of the things that is, is a big struggle um, for e- even freelancers or small studios or big studios is getting the work that they want to do uh, and getting the type of work that they want to do. Um, from, from what I understand, your first, your very first title sequence was for a little show called Community, yeah. uh, which is like one of my favorite shows in the world. Um, could you tell us maybe a little bit about how this first Sarovsky title sequence came about? Uh, was this something, you know, is this the type of work that you were actively pursuing? Um, and, and how did you kind of break into that? Okay, so, well, I was already pretty known from DK with a little bit of my yeah. name, you know, because... I, I was like kind of one of the first people that, you know, made their URL com. you know what I mean? And so I would put all my boards online <laughs> and, and do nice, it. everything yeah. that I did at DK, I just kind of posted as like an online archive of my work. And, and it really was created for me, not really for the world. I just liked going through and seeing all the work I did. Um, and so it kind of became a thing and other people started doing it and, and instead of companies, people started getting individual recognition, which was pretty neat for me. Um, but I also, when I started the company, uh, found an entertainment rep who had also worked at DK. So I didn't really found find oh, wow. her. I knew her. Um, yeah. and she, you know, would hear about things here and there. And, um, I don't even think we had a formal relationship at that point yet, but 
you know, one of the producers for the show community who I actually work with all the time now. Um, he, oh, wow. yeah. So no business like repeat business. That's the best kind. <laughs> yeah. But, um, so he had called her and was like, who do you got? Like, what's going on? Do you have somebody that can come in and pitch on this title sequence for a show called community? Apparently they, um, had a title sequence going that they didn't like anymore and were like oh. in, in emergency mode, you know, <laughs> this happens a lot more than you think it does. So like, Oh yeah, we hired this company and it's not working out. Can you come in and save the day? You have a week kind of thing. Wow. Um, wow. So, so from there, I actually happened to be in LA at the time and um, they were like, can you come and pitch on this title? And I, we were like, sure. And they were like, okay, come, tomorrow at two thirty to the, to the set, to the actual set to meet with the producers and everything. Oh, so, wow. yeah. so I was like, cool. Yeah, we'll go. And in my head, this is like a kickoff. Like they're going to tell me about their show. They're going to, you know, maybe show me a little bit of it, blah, blah, blah. I didn't know anything except that it's called community and it's about community college, you know? <laughs> like, so the, it was like about two hours before Jake, uh, the producer called us and was like, okay, so I don't, I'm not sure what you're presenting, but do, do you need like a TV or any oh, kind of projector? No. And I, oh, no. and we were like, what? <laughs> <laughs> we were literally having pizza at Moza, which is an amazing restaurant in LA and it's not far from the studio. So we were like, oh my God, they want work. Like it's what? only been a day. And, and, and so we <laughs> said to Jake, well, like work, like what work? It's only been a day. Like we're supposed to be getting a download from you. And he's like, oh, well, okay. Well, I'm sure it'll be fine. Just come in at this time. And we were like, what? So at Mosa, I just do what I do. I take out my journal and I start coming up with ideas and I, Right, like, okay, this is community college. It's like the 13th grade. So what if you get like all these rejection letters and, you know, it's all these rejection letters, basically. A title sequence about, you know, being rejected from Harvard and then this place and then eventually this shitty college doesn't want you and this shitty college doesn't want you and you land at community college, okay? And then I came up with another idea about them like waiting in line and it seems like you're at the DMV about to get your license, but you get your community college kind of, you know, <laughs> yeah. thing. it's just very mundane. And I came up with like, I don't know, about eight ideas, <laughs> just like having pizza. And it's all written down in my journal, all neat, you know, trying to be as organized as possible. And one of the ideas I came up with also was this cootie catcher. It's like, okay, it's like the 13th grade. So what did you do in high school that if you hmm. were a community college kind of guy like that you would be doing? And I'm like, well, you'd probably be making one of those little fortune teller things, but you'd only have a big pen. You know, it wouldn't be like you were a little girl <laughs> doing it, but it would be like, you know, and it'd have like goofy illustrations that you'd make in high school, you know? Yeah. And so yeah, it was interesting. So I show up and he sits us down in the library and there's Dan Harmon, all of the show writers, the Russo brothers and a bunch of the producers. What? So it was like all of them. And it was wow. all these men sitting around they put all the, the tables in the library together and it was all of them sitting there. And then me with my big curly hair in the middle, I was the only woman. And I just open up my journal 
<laughs> and they commented about how neat it was written. And I just went, said one idea after another. And it was actually, it taught me a lot. And if anybody could learn from this, this is like the one thing that they should take away. I put out the idea about the community, like the rejection letters, right? And I saw the show writers kind of bounce it around the table and they're like, yeah, that's cool. It'd be interesting if, okay, but what colleges would we use? Well, I don't kind of like how it's based on like the idea of rejection, because even though these guys are the rejects, they're kind of coming together. And so I watched the idea grow and then shrink and, and how, wow. the, how they kind of process the idea. And it really had nothing to do with visuals. It was all based on the idea. And, you know, at the end of the conversation, they were interested in the DMV line and the cootie catcher line. And then they were like, okay, go make us boards for that. And so I did. And they're like, we love the cootie catcher. Make that, you know, and so that's amazing. But it's just about, you know, I always say if there's a fire run towards it, don't run away from it. And that has to do with the business. If there's a hard conversation to have, you know, go towards it, have the conversation, yeah. just be honest and true and as authentic as you can be. Um, and listen a lot. Um, and the same thing with work. Like if somebody's not happy with the work, don't just shoot off an email, get on the phone, get on the phone and talk to them, ask a lot of questions, like run towards the fire. And in this case, we could have just been like, Oh my God, we didn't do anything. We're not coming. You know what I mean? <laughs> like we totally misunderstood, but yeah. instead I was like, well, fuck it. What do I have to lose? At least I'll meet some interesting people and see the set, you know? Yeah. And it wound up being like, the greatest thing of my career. I mean, it introduced me to the Russo brothers who yeah. went on to do Captain America, who introduced me to Marvel and, you know, it, and that's where it really is about relationships and being a collaborator with the people around you and not just like throwing your ideas at people, but like sharing. It's just a different mentality. I would say it's a conversation, not a dissertation. So I completely forgot that Russo Brothers worked on on Community, mm-hmm. um, which is a great segue in into Marvel because yeah. there they are sitting around around the table with you and Dan Harmon on Community, and then you know, a few years later uh, directing Captain America, and yep. I'm sure you were in another room with them pitching them yep. ideas on their own movie. Could you tell me a little bit about um, your experience working with Marvel? Yeah, I mean Marvel's a it was a real deal thing, you know, <laughs> doing community main titles. And then we actually worked with the Russos on a bunch of their other TV shows um, after that. And when they got, when the Marvel news came out, they were actually, we were working on a show called Animal Practice with them. Um, okay, yeah. And uh, working on that title. And I, when I, I emailed them, I'm like, oh my God, your selfish main title designer is so excited <laughs> that you got Captain America. <laughs> Please call me. Yeah, And then they were like, of course, we wouldn't think about using anybody else. But, no way. That's but, awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. Except it's Disney and it's Marvel and they can't just uh. use anybody else. And there's a lot of security requirements and um, you, you have to yeah, be. Yeah, tell me about that. Yeah. Security requirements. Yeah. So you have to be on their approved vendor list and their approved vendor list is all about security. So each of their movies, like there's a tier one rating for security and a tier zero rating. Like tier one, I think, is anything from 300 million to 500 million, which is what most Marvel movies kind of fall into. And then tier, yeah. tier zero is actually the only one I've ever heard of being tier zero is Star Wars. And that's anything over 500 million to make. Wow. wow. So if you're like a tier one, you need to have a separate server that talks to the computers that work 
on the project. So none of your files and Marvel, like any other files and Marvel files can't cohabitate. Like the person working on Verizon can't just all of a sudden click into a Marvel job and see what's going on in there. So yeah. in addition, like the studio has to be segregated. So half of our studio becomes Marvel and the other half um, becomes not. And it needs to be like walled off. And like, so wow. if you have a messenger drop things off, they can't just take out a picture, a cell phone and take a picture. Yeah. Um, of anything in the that space, is intense. video cameras, wow. you can't have any of the computers that are connected to a Marvel server cannot be connected to the internet. So it's not like they can just, you know, so everybody needs like a laptop to do email or um, wow. something like that. But also the cameras, ha if anything's in that area, like all the cameras have to be deactivated and it's like a whole thing. So um, it's, and they have, and it's, it's like a real deal thing to get certified and it's not like they just certify you and then that's it. They show up, they have a security specialist that shows up and keep showing up either, you know, every six months wow. or, or a year or so, usually about before you're about to start a big, big project with them. So we that's actually amazing. have our on-site visit in a week. So no way. Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, that's so cool. Yeah. They're really, they're really buttoned up there. I mean, and you don't want to be the one like to re somehow release the end of, I mean, like, so for Captain yeah. America, we had the end of the movie in yeah. our office at all times because it wow. was just like yeah. cutting into the main title. How does that work? Like, you don't want to be the one whose company <laughs> releases the end of the movie, you know? And then as you're working on visual effects and all that stuff inside the movie, you don't want your shots going out anywhere. Like, I, I can't even imagine what kind of lawsuit that would be. Like, that would yeah. just for sure take down the entire company. Yeah. But like, you also don't want, you don't want to be that person. <laughs> like what a yeah. disaster. Yeah. And it's actually what, what, way harder than you think to keep all of it secure, just to keep everything moving and how you send files to them has to be over a secure internet connection. So we use a fiber for that. Just getting that installed took six months. You know, that was not a quick, hmm. quick thing, you know, and most people spend like 200 bucks on an internet a month. We spend thousands you know? Wow. Yeah. Wow. So shifting those files around like are crazy. They're just huge. You just mentioned doing some, some visual effects work. And I, and I understand that on civil war, you guys had a bit more of an expanded role, yeah. um, outside of just titles, doing some visual effects work. Could you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. I mean, that's really exciting for me as a business owner because you yeah. know, main titles are not profitable, but visual effects <laughs> are, they're not as profitable as advertising, but they are profitable. Sure. And I will take it. I will take anything I can get. Um, but th it's interesting. Like, it, it took us a while to get in on it. And, you know, Dan DeLue, who is the visual effects, head of visual effects on, on Winter Soldier, was visual effects supervisor on uh, Civil War. So he had, met, okay. he yeah. had met us then, and we had been talking back and forth. And we actually did some tests for him on um, Winter Soldier to show him that we could handle their pipeline. Cause you know, it's a totally different thing. Like you have to use all the LUTs that the movie uses. You have to use their process. Exactly. You're sharing files or getting files from other vendors. So your color space has to be correct. It's, um, it's not self-contained the way a main title is self-contained. So it's, mm. it's, it's just much, much more technical. So for as much yeah. design work went into it, it was like 10% of the overall process, the design. Um, 
but yeah, so they, they gave us some shots and it was just really exciting. I mean, it was a whole scene when they're in the, in the conference room, getting the, the download about, you know, the, the accords. Um, so all the stuff on the screens were, were us. And it was awesome because we finaled those shots. So we got from, yeah, we got, um, vision from Lola and we had to comp him in. And I mean, it was just like such an awesome experience. And I think for them, you know, having a design company be super up to snuff on like VFX pipeline and all that stuff really kind of just makes it another resource for them because, you know, visual effects companies are incredible. Um, and they do have good design departments, but I feel like being a boutique design company gives us a leg up there on a talent perspective. Um, and just a focus, we focus more on design than on, you know, technical, you know, so to speak. So, um, so it's nice for them to have another option to go to a design company for those kind of graphics and not just have to use people that are technically savvy, you know? Yeah. So you guys have worked with them so far on the winter soldier, Ant-Man guardians of the galaxy, and most recently civil war. Yeah. Um, man, that's, that's so much to cover. Um, (laughs) I, I wish we had time to talk about like all of them, but do you have any like kind of favorite moments, um, from your time so far working with, with Marvel? Um, you know, I think it's the collaboration each time and, you know, each time they want something new and different, but it is a collaboration. So you're definitely dealing with the directors and Kevin Feige and Victoria and Lou, and you're just in a room with them, talking to them about their movie and giving them your ideas and your opinions and hearing their ideas and opinions. And, it's like, I don't know. There's just something really amazing with people to work with people that know their product so well that really just like, you know, there's no bullshitting it. There's no trying to be something you're not, you know what I mean? Like, it's just an honest conversation. And I mean, like Kevin Feige is a, is a complete genius, you know? Um, and it's just crazy to be able to sit in a room with him and talk to him about the Marvel universe, you know? Yeah. And I could be my goofy self, you know, I, it was so embarrassing. I'll give you like a very embarrassing story. And he, he would probably, yes. hopefully he does not hear this, but like in, in the last, I can't, I can't imagine. Oh my God. Who knows? Like epically embarrassing. Like I walked out and was like, did I just say that they're never going to hire me again for anything else ever, you know? Oh but gosh. it was, I think they laughed and it was, you know, with the Russos and Lou and and Victoria and Kevin, but we were talking obviously about the end of civil war being like very heightened, you know? And I was like, I don't know, like if it were my movie, I would just like want the three of them talking about Bucky and Robert Downey Jr. and Cap to just all start making out, you know, just like go for it. (laughs) Like (laughs) instead of all this fighting, just let there be love. And they were just like, they just looked at me and I'm like, eh, but that's not why I'm, that's why I'm not directing these movies as if there isn't a million other reasons why I'm not the one directing these movies. (laughs) No, that's, that's the only one. That's That's the only reason why. And I, they just like laughed at me because I, like made this amazing kind of bold statement about their three main superheroes making out. And I'm like, Oh my God. And it is like, so there is that like tension there. And they just like laughed at me so hard. Cause I'm like, you just kind of wanted to build to something big, you know? 
Like, what if they were just making out? <laughs> he just like looked at me like, I think you're the only person in the world that would say that to my face. <laughs> you know, but I said it and I was super embarrassed about it. But that's the thing. Like when you're just having a conversation with these people, like they're, you know, you could either just be nervous and like say like, okay, whatever you want, whatever you want. Or you could just be yourself and, and have your own way about doing it. And they respond yeah. to that. People respond to like authentic people that are just, are just how they are. You know, that's kind of how I approach it with them, but it was super embarrassing. <laughs> well, I, I'm sure that because of the, the tier tier one, you, you, I'm sure you can't talk anything about, about what you guys may or may not be working on in, in the future. But do you have anything uh, coming up that that's exciting that you can talk about? Um, not in the Marvel world. I can't talk about it. Okay. But actually, yeah. tonight there's a, a main title we did for Animal Kingdom. Um, oh no way! It's like really weird timing. Yeah, John Wells. Yeah. Uh, follow up to Shameless. He did a new show awesome. called Animal Kingdom, and we're really proud of that. That's a, a 60 second main title on TNT, kind of like the old school HBO main title kind of vibe. But, yeah. Um, and it has a lot of uh, high speed. Um, you know, phantom camera work in there. And cool. it's just yeah. very like awesome. And Atticus Ross did the music. So it's got that nine inch nails vibe. And I uh, don't know, yeah. it's just a beautiful piece. It's, it, it's interesting. Cause like the narrative is going to become more clear as the, the series moves on. I think it's one of those titles that will grow on you the more that you watch um, the it. series. Cause it's very yeah. abstract, you know, and, and dark. So <laughs> But very cool. Wow, I'm excited to check that out. Yeah, that's that's awesome. Oh, yeah, and yeah. then hopefully by the time this episode airs, it'll be will it be online. Will you guys be able to share it? Yeah, like on um, Vimeo or something. It's perfect. It's actually like if you want to look, you can check it out on Vimeo today because the yes. Wall Street Journal. Right. It's not on our website today. It's just on Vimeo. We just actually took off the password because the Wall Street Journal okay. is actually doing a piece on us with it. No so, way. Yeah. So hey, congratulations. Be, that's awesome. <laughs> it's so crazy to have the Wall Street Journal yeah. writing about you. But after that, it'll like go live on our site and on our Vimeo page and everything like that. But nice. yeah, that's cool. Could you maybe cast us a little bit of like vision for the future of, of Sarovsky's? Does it look more like visual effects for film and, and television uh, growing? I don't interact. Like what, what's the dream? Like what is your dream for the future of your company? Well, I I think it's kind of a little bit of whatever, but oh, <laughs> but with a design point of view, right? So like that's yeah. what makes me special, and I think what makes the people we hire special is we all care deeply about design and are experts at design. So whether it has a commercial application or an entertainment application, it kind of doesn't matter to me. Like I don't care if we do billboards for an arena or a Times Square takeover or a commercial or a web series main title or a, you know, like everything's kind of becoming just content. Everybody calls everything content. So for me, if it has like a design point of view and people can pay our rates <laughs> yeah. and we have time to work on it, like I'm down, like, yeah, you know, nice. it really is that it's all kind of becoming one thing. I mean, there'll always be a special place in my heart for main titles. Um, yeah. you know, there, there is that, but the way I feel about main titles, some people feel about music videos, you know, or, yeah. or yeah, something yeah. else. And I could care less about doing music videos. So <laughs> it's like, it seems even worse, but 
uh, yeah. from a financial perspective. But yeah, I was going to say, but neither really have a ton. And they're not going to get rich doing music videos no. or title sequences, but you know. But it is great PR and people love yeah. them. Oh, yeah. So for yeah. me, that, they're beautiful and yeah. wonderful. So it feeds the beast, the bigger beast. And, um, yeah. you know, your portfolio is what gets you work. So if you're doing work you love, then it's going to get more of that. So I feel like investing in that work um, and creating the work that you want to do is going to make people want that work from you. And it's yeah. like a cyclical thing. So, you know, doing this Marvel work is going to be great because like at a certain point, like if we're doing visual effects or, you know, on-screen displays i mean at some point bmw might call us and be like hey can you do some previs work for our screens our heads up display on our new car yeah you know what i mean hey that's cool that's an interesting thing like we don't have to program it we never would you know even attempt to try and do something but we could set the look and set the movement and design a typeface and do all this other Mm, stuff and i do think I think like as we move into the future, you know, with technology and all that stuff, they are going to start coming to people like me who are working in these kind of future worlds in features to start developing interfaces for their products and things like that, that, you know, even if it's just like inspiration for whatever they develop, um, I think that's like a, a cool place to be, but like, I don't want to say, like, exactly what it is because, like, I don't know. I just <laughs> I just know that doing good work and being um, a good, you know, vendor for our client or a good collaborator for our client has always done right by me, has always yeah. made more work for mm-hmm. me in the future and more work of the work I want to be doing. So, yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. We try to end each episode with the same few questions. Okay. Uh, so the first is, who is your dream client? Oh, I have them. It's Marvel. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, like, <laughs> come on. Are you come kidding? On. Yeah, I have them. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That easy, easy. Easy That was question. an easy one. Yeah. Um, all right, next one. Your favorite animated film? Um, I mean, I love Pixar. Yeah. Love, I think I think Toy Story changed the game for me, so I'll say that. Even though really? like Inside Out yeah. was so fun and you know, I I mean just like genius really. But I think Toy Story was like, oh my god, that's that's next level, <laughs> you know. And that documentary is amazing. So, yeah. The which documentary? It's a documentary on like the making of Pixar basically. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Check I think it I've out. seen that. Yeah. It's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Fascinating story. Yeah. Um, all right. Next one. What do the people you love think that you do for a living? So maybe this would be like early in, in your career, perhaps if you have any, any good stories about, cause sometimes it's a little bit tough to explain like what motion design is yeah. or, or, or animation or that sort of thing. Well, my mom used to tell people while I was working at digital kitchen for quite some time that I designed business cards for a living. No way. Yeah. I was so offended. <laughs> I was like, people like Kinko designs business cards. Like, I make stuff for TV, you know? And then she would be like, well, do you do those talking cows for Gateway? And I'm like, no, I don't do the talking cows for Gateway. She's like, well, whatever, you know? It's like, I don't design business cards. I remember being so offended that, and I remember she's like, oh, I've been telling everybody you design business cards. I'm like, Oh my God. And what's so funny is like later that day I was sitting on the couch with my dad and a Gap commercial came on for Give Stripes. It was like a stripe scarf thing for the winter campaign. And 
uh, it came on and my dad's like, this commercial so fun. I was like, I made that commercial. And he was like, really? <laughs> I was like, yeah, I don't design business cards. Yeah. I made that commercial. <laughs> it was amazing. Oh, very, but no. Yeah. She would have been impressed if I had designed the talking gateway cows. She's like, I love that one in the dressing room where the cow is in the dressing room. I'm like, oh my God. That probably says more about me and my mother than anything else. Yeah. That, that might be the best answer to that question we've ever gotten. All right. <laughs> last, last question. What animal did you choose for your animalator and why? Oh, a little dog. A little dog. But... Um, because we're obsessed with dogs here. Um, and if, if you see any pictures on the website, there's usually a dog in it or some kind of, there's always a dog <laughs> in awesome. the studio or something. So, um, I actually didn't make mine. Uh, one of my designers, Ryan did, and he kind of, Oh, nice. Yeah. Thanks Ryan. Yeah, exactly. I was going to say you should use his name on, on your website. I'll send you the spelling of his last name, but, um, he, uh, he designed the animal and it's me standing on a leash and I have a thing. I went to space camp twice and, um, <laughs> that, so not even once, but twice. And so everybody makes fun of me about space camp and I get really offended if people don't believe in the moon landed. It's like a big, big thing around here. <laughs> so he has, really? Oh my God. If you think the moon landing was fake, I get really upset. <laughs> I don't know if I've ever met someone who seriously thinks that like really thinks that no, maybe not. I had a barber. I have a crazy barber, and yeah. he thinks that. But yeah. yeah. No, we have a yeah. few people here that question it in air quotes, and it's like, really? it's That's like, so we just get in the biggest arguments about stuff like that. So he has me in like a little NASA t shirt getting abducted by an alien. But <laughs> that's perfect. Yeah. So, well, Aaron, thank you so much for coming on the show. I, I am so grateful. Awesome. Thank you so much. It's been fun. Animalators is part of the Gradient Podcast Network and created in collaboration between Identity Visuals and Gradient. To learn more about the work we're doing at Identity Visuals, check out identityvisuals.com or follow us on Twitter at Identity Visuals. And don't forget to go check out the just-launched website from Gradient, gradient.is. You can also find them on Facebook or follow them on Twitter at gradient.is. That's gradient, D-O-T-I-S. And you can follow us on Twitter at Animalators. Animalators.com is another great website you should check out because there you can see Aaron's Animalator and all the other incredible Animalators from previous guests who have been on our show as well. To find out more about Aaron and her work, you can go to their website at sarofsky.com or follow them on Twitter at at Sarofsky. The theme music to the show was written and produced by Cody Fry. Check out more of his work at codyfry.com. And don't forget, you can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, or you can listen to us on SoundCloud, Stitcher, Overcast, Google Play, YouTube, really anywhere you listen to your podcasts. And if you're into this podcast, we'd love for you to leave a review or drop us a note. We always love getting your feedback, and when you leave us a review on iTunes, it helps other animators find this podcast too. Well, that'll do it for this week's episode. Thank you guys so much for listening. I can't wait to be back in a couple weeks for another episode of Animalators curious conversations from the world of animation. <laughs>